Hey there, I'm Andrew Ainsworth, a proud supporter of Sword and Laser, thanks to Patreon.com. It's easy to set up, and what do you get out of it? Endless geeky bantering about the latest sci-fi and fantasy books. So if you want to help out, head over to Patreon.com slash Sword and Laser. Give a little, and get a lot of Veronica mispronouncing things. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. But mostly we just drink. I wouldn't say mostly. I say that's a an integral part of the show at times. Uh, at times. Not the... Sometimes. Well, not always alcohol, but we're always drinking something because we are mostly water. What is it? What's the percentage? 84%? Uh, let me see. Here. Tom Merritt, what are you good for if you can't just spit out factoids when I need you to? Oh, no. What? Google Talk no longer shows that as my status. Oh, for, you had that as your status? I had the actual percentage right, as my did. status this on Google Talk for years, and it doesn't show it anymore. This is why I expected you to know the answer to this uh, question. I think it's like 70. All right. Close enough. Uh, well, what are you filling your body's liquids with tonight? Well, uh, it's also mostly water, but it's also got some hops. It's a Maui Brewing Company Big Swell IPA. Ooh, we drank. I feel like we drank a lot of that in Hawaii. Yeah, uh, it's a uh, it's a one of my favorites. Maui Brewing Company makes I pretty much like every single thing they do. Uh, and uh, the coconut porter and the big swell are two of my faves. I remember the coconut porter. Mm, mm, that sounds good. That's a good yeah. summer drink. Uh, I am drinking a Basil Hayden bourbon. Ooh, Basil Ooh. Hayden. Very nice. Getting well a little done. fancy tonight. Yeah. This is what I cracked open for uh, National Bourbon Day last week. National you know Bourbon Day happened and I didn't know this? I Instagrammed about it and everything. I don't look at Instagram every day. Really? It's the only thing I look at every day. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's my favorite. That's a lot of pictures. I love it. <laughs> so many dogs. So you know, many we dogs. We were talking about uh, the, earlier today. Eileen and I were talking about how Instagram is kind of the the in, in become the inoffensive social network. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, people have their various social networks that they hate and will delete from their phone, and then Instagram. That's right, and I think they are capitalizing on that. In a big way. And yet but owned anyway, by Facebook. Anyway. We don't have an Instagram for Sword and Laser because we just don't. But maybe no, we should sometime. We should. We absolutely should. I don't know if I can manage another social social network. I'm sorry. The new maybe Instagram not. TV launched. And the first thing I added to my Instagram TV channel is a picture of my dog playing fetch. Am <laughs> I Instagramming right? Yes. Okay, good. Don't ever change. <laughs> Let's jump into the quick burns. Amazon just posted a list of a hundred links to get you to buy books from Amazon. I mean, a hundred sci-fi and fantasy books to read in a lifetime. It's actually a really good list. Uh, thank you, Andrew P., for for posting that. I was uh, pleased to see that most of the things on the list are things we've read on Sword and Laser. Yeah. So, okay. This is interesting. So I, they laid this out kind of weird, but it starts with 1984. We have not read that for the show, but I have read it. Uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. We have not read that for Sword and Laser. <laughs> okay, but I'm serious, folks. A lot of these books are A Canticle for Leibowitz, we've read. We a go. Game of Thrones, we've read. Yes, a Wizard we of Earthsea, we've read. Um, uh, Dragonflight. And, 
Dra- did we read Dragonflight? Yeah. I thought, oh, yeah, we did. You're we right. sure did. You're right. Yeah. Not that cover, but we have read it. Uh, Ender's Game we've read. Mm-hmm. Um, did we read Dune? Yes. We read Dune. Fahrenheit Early 451. On. We definitely read. Uh, we did we've not read. We've talked a lot about Kushil's Dart. We haven't read Ed read it officially. We read Seems that Seems to come for, up a lot, though. They're scrolling to the left, to the right, too. So you have to also push those buttons. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's why it's a so wrinkle weird. in time. It, we I read. wasn't sure which oh way you're supposed goodness. to go. Should you go top to bottom and then scroll, or should you scroll and then go down? Tom, I'm, we really have read all of these. A Wrinkle in Time, Altered yeah. Carbon, American Gods, Among Others, Ancillary Justice... Holy Godzooks. Annihilation. Assassin's Apprentice. We haven't read this one by Greg Bear. Blood Music. Brave New World. Read in my own time. Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke. Good Omens. Frankenstein. Cloud, ooh, ooh, Cloud, Cloud Atlas. How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe by Charles Yu. The Android's Yu. Dream of Electric Sheep. Hyperion, Dan Simmons. Doomsday Book. What did I mean, they honestly, just go to our wiki? <laughs> I mean, really? I actually want to hold on to this list, uh, and, and maybe I'll just copy it down, all the things that are we haven't read that are on it as good suggestions for future reads. I'm kind of blown away because I didn't look at this before the show. Night, Cir- Night at the Circus, we haven't read that yet. I want to read that. Old Man's War by Scalzi. Neuromancer, which was book number Wait, two, we read I Night's, think. Night Circus. No, not, this is a different is, one. It's a different one. This okay. is Night at the Circus. Got it. Uh... We didn't it's read hard to Stranger follow in a along Land. with you because there's no, it's really dumb the way they laid this out. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. I'm very confused. I can't oh, tell yeah, what the order is. is. Night at the Circus by Angela Carter. Okay. Yeah. yeah Forever yeah. War. Eye of the World. Good yeah. Omens. Yeah. Guilty Pleasures I've read in other, other book clubs. Hyperion. Golden Compass. The Handmaid's Tale. Hobbit. Hitchhiker's, have we read Hitchhiker's Guide? No. Actually, I don't know that we have. I've read it. It was my yearbook I mean, I've quote. read it millions mm-hmm. of times. Literally millions. Literally. I, I used to actually, I don't know if I have still have the paperback, but I used to actually note the number of the time that I was reading it every time I read it. That's cool. Perdido Street the, Station. Did we read that for the club or did I read that by uh, myself? You read that on your own, I think. Ready Player One. We read, we read a different, Rail C. We read Rail C. No, we didn't. You read that on your own. What? Really? Yeah, I never read Rail C. Oh. Well, we did read one of his books, right? Did we read City in the City? City in the City. Eh, that was it? it? Okay. Did, so we re- it? I don't know. <laughs> We've talked about it's not it like I host the show. show. Oh, wait. <laughs> Snow Crash is on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Solaris. We have not read Solaris. Ooh, Stories of Your Life and Others. Everybody on the podcast listening group right now is like, why are they just naming books they've read? This is not. <laughs> Especially because they remember better like, than we, we read do all this. what like, things we, we've read. We literally have a list of these on a site that we made for you. Somewhere Tazzy Dave and Sean and like everybody else who works on the wiki. Is I know, like, I'm looking at the yeah, wiki Belmont. right now. Okay. I'm sorry. You guys are the best. You guys are the best. Moving on. Victoria says... Not sure how serious this is, but apparently someone is trying to trademark Dragon Slayer. There's an article from Cory Doctorow about it here. I want someone to write the cocky Dragon Slayer now. <laughs> Anybody who missed it, we talked last time about someone trying to trademark cocky for romance novels. And and don't forget, you cannot trademark a title of a book, but you can trademark a series. And so in both cases, someone's trying to trademark these words as part of their series. Mm-hmm. Um, also, also reading this, I discovered that there's actually a bot on Twitter called Cockybot. 
<laughs> and CockyBot lists any dubious literary trademark filings and posts them to Twitter. And so we have never read China Mieville as an official pick. Wow, really? How is that possible? So okay, so this is also, even funny too. Why did too. I read Railsea? You have you read Railsea? I read Perdido Street Station and The City in the City. Did you read The City in the City? No. So how did when did we when did you and I both find the time to just go yes. out and read China? Uh, also, not why would I have read The City in the City instead of Railsea? Like, why did I read Railsea? I don't you remember. You were obsessed with Railsea too. You were really excited about it. Uh, maybe I was just excited because I was reading something that wasn't a pick. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we did not at all figure that out, but yeah. it's cool that we have other interests, I guess, and those interests are the same in their China Mieville. Trike uh, posted that science fiction and fantasy book sales have doubled since 2010, according to the author earnings blogs, publishing industry analysis. News comes from a presentation given in May 2018 at the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America's 52nd Annual Nebula Conference and relies on data covering 2017 book sales from many sources, including MPD PubTrack, MPD BookScan, and Amazon eBook sales. So I don't want to put too fine a point on it, mm-hmm. but I want to say that just for shits and giggles, Game of Thrones came out, the TV show, in 2011. Mm-hmm. In April of 2011. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I honestly, like, I would make a serious guess that the premiere of that show spurned a lot of fantasy sales. Did you say spurred or spurned? Sp- I meant to say spurred. But spurred. I said, That's what I heard. I, said, I, heard, oh, good. I heard spurred. Yeah. I definitely said spurned. Just checking. I said spurned. <laughs> because the non science fiction and fantasy writers are the ones who are spurned. <laughs> That's true. Um, that's funny. Yeah. So I think I honestly, I think that has something to do with it. I think you're right. I'm trying to think if there's something else. I mean, the return of Star Wars, success of Star Trek movies, maybe, but really Game of Thrones is huge, right? Walking Dead came out in 2010, but Mm. I don't feel like it really has that same kind of. No, not the push towards sci-fi and fantasy so much. Maybe comic sales. I mean, and there there is correlation and causation at work here. Like maybe Game of Thrones was was so big because there's some other factor that's making science fiction and fantasy popular too. But I think it also it made like more shows, more television shows started being made in that vein around the same time. And mm-hmm. so I feel mm-hmm. like that whole the industry, just the genre fiction industry just got a big kick in the butt that that could have helped a lot. Right. But it could all be caused by aliens broadcasting mind control waves to us. Yes. Just I don't want to rule anything out. Okay. All right. I'll just I'll file that in the back of my mind as a potential. Oh, this is getting so much worse. (laughs) It's getting so much worse. Hey, so John Deloney says John Scalzi has finished the follow-up to the collapsing empire called Consuming Fire. (sighs) That was a deep sigh for Scalzi. What's up, Tom? How is John Scalzi so amazing? Tom, it's annoying. You also write a book like every six months. So no, I don't want to hear I'm it. Not, no, first I don't of all, hear it. I don't even want to hear my name and Scalzi's in the same breath. Second of all, I'm sighing because not only does he tweet, hey, guess what I just finished writing this morning, but there's like a kick ass cover for it already in his tweet. I like to think that he started and finished writing that book this morning. 
<laughs> like the way it's written. Guess what? I like just they sent them the together. cover the night before. Like, here you go. Better finish this by tomorrow morning. I like. I like to think also that he sees the cover and he's like, "This is a good starting point." That gives yeah. me some ideas. I'll uh, I'll write about fire and how it consumes. <laughs> I'm just gonna spitball <laughs> some ideas here. Based on uh, maybe this. it'll be I don't know, like an interstellar epic from the author of the Old Man's War. Who's me? Oh yeah, that's me. But he's got like this great like mood board like on his kitchen wall. Yeah, which is like all the previous covers of his book, and he's like trying to tie the themes of the covers together to make like mm-hmm. a coherent story. That's exactly. It's like you've been in his house. Yeah. I have. He just doesn't know. <laughs> you might want to change your password for your security system. That's all Veronica's. All right. Well, yes. Uh, short, quick burns this week because uh, we recorded back-to-back weeks this time around. Uh, but thank you to everybody who submitted stories. You can do that over on goodreads.com slash sword and laser. Look for the quick burns thread. And now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Ooh, um, I think Steven Schleicher from Major Spoilers might have sent this to the wrong place. He says, hello, awesome people. Mm, okay, so first I want to I want to kind of kick this off by saying I had no idea that talking about listening to podcasts on advanced speeds was going to cause such a furor in One the, the audience. One of the divisive issues of our day. And also something I noticed, and I'm not saying this is definite, but it seems that men like to speed up their podcasts mm. and women like to I'm this is a sample size of like 10 people by the mm. way so the data on this may be a little shaky so but, you're saying people from mars speed up mm-hmm. and people from venus slow down and people from uranus are just stinky <laughs> there is sulfur on uranus <laughs> right is. Well, this, uh, uh, yes, I'm sorry. Stephen wrote, uh, listen to Sword and Laser this week talking about 2x speed. Over the years, I went from 1 to 1.5, and now I listen to everything at 2x speed. This includes audiobooks. The only way I'm able to listen to podcasts and audiobooks at this speed is because I've adapted to it over the years. I don't <laughs> feel like I'm missing out on anything because I listen to my audiobooks when I'm walking as I'm completely focused on what I'm listening to. By listening at 2x, I'm able to blow through books, and it keeps me walking at a fast pace. Here is a mostly complete list of books I read in 2017, 45 total. I'm halfway through 2018 and already at 30 books. Dang, that's pretty good. Good job, Schleicher. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling up this list to see. uh, Oh, yeah, he's got like whole descriptions of each book, too. Uh, But he listened to The Martian. Uh, Wow, a lot of stuff here. The Thin Man by Dashiell Hammett. Oh, nice. A lot of cool stuff. So good job. Good job, Stephen. That's rad. And then Jenna wrote in over on Twitter, my dear friend, who says, fellow listeners of Sword and Laser, are you really speeding up books and podcasts? Why? You're dying at the same time. Listen to the stories and the words and the voice recording them. You're at a campfire. Voice, inflection, timing is art. Rushing is for people who believe in heaven. Oh, that got really deep. Okay, first of all, a lot of people believe in heaven, so I guess they should all rush. I don't know. Uh, second of all, my I, I made this point last week, but I think it's worth making it again. When I listen at 2x, and as Schleicher said, I'm adapted to it, the timing and the pauses, they're all the same. Everything is, time is relative. Time and space is relative. And I once you adapt- I don't agree with you, though. You can, that time and space is relative? You don't agree? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
You caught me, Tom. <laughs> caught me, so, Tom. Here. You must be rushing. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. Well, I, I like that. And then we had one from Kevin over on our Patreon who says, Oh man, listening to audiobooks at normal speed ruins them for me. I could never listen to them at normal speed. Narrators just read too slowly and it drives me insane. I can't focus on the words or enjoy them. I don't often go up to 2x unless I'm at a super exciting part and just want to hear what happens, but I tend to listen to things at 1.5x. That was Chell, not Kelvin, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped ahead to to, uh, Kelvin's name. That was Shell. Sorry, Shell. Uh, and then Kelvin says, I basically only listen to audiobooks, so does that mean I have to slow down? My card does a good job of telling me that. Can't wait for Tom's new audiobook. Can we get a short section or chapter? I like to listen at the normal speed, but can only listen at 1.5 max. 2.0 just seems garbage. I thought harpies were the bird women and sirens were like mermaids. <laughs> I agree with Tom, e.g. spoiler alert, and Veronica's singing was great. Wonderful show as usual. I feel like he wrote this at 2x speed. <laughs> I like this mixed bag of... Yeah. of- of awesome comments and compliments. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's like a grab bag. It's the best. Um, I thought, yes, harpies were the bird women and sirens were like mermaids. Did we call? I think we made it. May we have were said that winding sirens... our way toward that conclusion yes. in our conversation. Yes. Harpies were the ones, the name I couldn't remember from World of Warcraft. That's right. That, and that's the bird people. That's the bird ladies that screech at you and they're terrible. Aren't there bird? They're bird men. I know harpies aren't men, but I think I feel like in Warcraft, there's also bird men. Maybe. Maybe it's different. Harpies, obviously. If you hear a doorbell in the background, it's because my husband is installing a new doorbell. Still? (laughs) Still. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Tom was here this weekend and Ryan was also working on the doorbell. (laughs) If you listen to the audiobook for Gallium when it comes out, you may also hear that same doorbell. doorbell. Who knows? (laughs) We'll try to edit it out, but who knows? It might might make it in there. (laughs) All right. And then we have this great thread over on Goodreads about uh, help me find a book. From my childhood, this comes from Travis, Mm. who says, Okay, I've been trying to find the title of a book I loved when I was a kid. I don't remember the title, but I thought maybe somebody here would have a memory of it. It was a choose-your-own-adventure-style book, but I think it was an off-brand one. In the story, you were a male elf exploring an abandoned magic castle. I remember you having a few basic magic abilities that would help you out of some situations. And so he says, I know it's not much to go off of, but if anyone has any memory of a book like this, I would love to hear what you remember. And I I chose this thread because it reminds me of the tip of my tongue Reddit subreddit, Mm. um, which I've used in the past and have found very helpful. Um, But Mark on the forums got it right away, which I was pretty impressed by. I used to read a lot of these choose your own adventure books, the the on brand ones. I bought like all of them as a kid. So I thought this would be kind of fun to look into. Uh, But the book is called The Forbidden Towers from the Forgotten Forest series, book number one. And I just thought it was really great that the community came together and and figured out what the book was. Do you have any like childhood books that kind of stick in your mind like that that you oh that you yeah miss? no there there's it's funny like and and it's not that I don't remember their names but there are books that I I felt were so good and important when I read them and no one else ever talks about them they're not mm, in the public mm-hmm. zeitgeist. Uh, Danny Dunn the Danny Dunn series. Yeah, hmm. exactly. That's the hmm. look everyone has. But I had all the Danny Dunn books. I think they were one of those cases where the books were written like in the 50s and then they just kept republishing them. Uh, but I, I I adored the Danny, Dove, uh, Danny Dunn mysteries. And then um, Two Minute Mysteries was a, hmm. is not a choose your own adventure, but it was kind of, might have even been the same publisher where you would read 
for two minutes about a mystery and then you got a chance to try to solve it before you turned the page and then it would give you the the solution to the mystery. So for me, um, the the book series that stuck with me the most was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And, mm. and this I think is the, that was, why you don't like horror movies. This is definitely why I don't like horror movies. Um, it was because the covers of these books were so horrifyingly terrifying. Horrifyingly terrifying. Yes, Not I said one, that. Not just one, but both. 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 And I especially, yeah, I'm, oh, I just Googled them now. And how did they put these in a children's library? (laughs) I don't understand. I'm no like delicate flower or anything. No, far from it. But like, even today, as a 35 year old woman, I'm looking at these covers and I'm like, if I saw this on a bookshelf, it would scare the ever loving poop out of me. And, I'm pooping a little bit right now just looking at these <laughs> because they're terrifying. <laughs> and That's no time. Terrifying. It's not the mama G's. I recovered from that. Oh, good. Oh, good. I had some troubles this weekend after a very spicy session. We all did. We all did. Uh, we we um, ate at the most delicious, hottest delicious. Chinese restaurant ever. And uh, we all paid the price. We paid the price. We paid the I iron paid the price. Check, but we all paid the price. <laughs> <laughs> We paid the Sichuan pepper price. <laughs> anyway, that got a the little The iron off. pot price. <laughs> there you go. Nailed it. Nailed it. Mic drop. Um, okay. So anyway, scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, and so anyway, Travis, I'm glad you found your book. <laughs> yeah, no, that was amazing. Uh, well done, Mark. But what's cool is that there is a, a continuing conversation of books that other people are trying to figure out that this thread has evolved into. So if you that's have something all, that you great. can't think of, jump in there and, and see what's what. Absolutely. All right. Shall we talk about uh, and wrap up, I guess, uh, our book of the month? We we have already, uh, before we get to the that, though, we have already announced a little early next month's pick. Uh, because we have a special event. So the book for next month, which we will officially kick off when we do the special event, is Mortal Engines. Uh, and it's the book that's going to be made into a movie. But we are also doing a special team up with our good friends, Mallory and Bree at Reading Glasses podcast for a massive collaboration crossover super sword and reading laser glasses Woo-hoo awesomeness uh on in two weeks yeah i think on the third yeah I believe uh, we're because recording july on the 4th is a holiday in the u.s and it falls on a wednesday which is normally when we record sword and laser we'll be recording the massive crossover celebration on the third awesome very very cool so yeah cersei um so i wanted to kick things off with a thread from caitlin who said uh her thread was called cersei the real housewives of the aegean <laughs> i love that I loved this book. I think it was my favorite as I think my favorite aspect rather may have been that the author didn't shy away from how the surviving from how the surviving mythology can portray women as unimportant, evil or just plain there to be pretty, but then added her own take to round them out and make their characters more fully realized. Did anyone else see the portrayal of the gods as catty, terrible people as a commentary on famous people? Like, you think you'll want to be like them, but trust me, there's a lot of backstabbing and you'd rather just be mortal. Yeah, it did feel like, I think on the last show, I said it feels like 
the actual myths are the tabloid headlines, mm-hmm. and this is the biography that tells the real story of what True happened. Stories. Uh, but now, now that uh, that she's put it this way, I feel like, yeah, no, this is more like it. It's it's uh, the you know behind the music or or the celebrity uh, e e news look is what mythology is, and then what. The book Circe gives us is the the actual tell all of like you want to know what it was really like hanging out with Frank Sinatra. Well, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think this rings really true, and I think even the way she says like, "Oh, I'm able to to talk to humans in their voice," even that for some reason felt like, oh, like the the famous people like they have their own like way of speaking, their own language. And the common people, the petty people, the mortal people, like it, it, it's too impressive for them to hear. It's too much for them to, to understand. And that's kind of how, how Cersei made that connection because she could speak the, the common tongue. She could, yeah. she had a mortal voice. She was a journalist. <laughs> like she understood the world of the famous, she could but speak wasn't part the of the common tongue. She could mm-hmm. cover the celebrities, but then, then explain it to the common man. Yeah, I think I think actually Caitlin this is a really being good Odysseus. Right. Very I think this is an apt apt comparison. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, this um, is really good Caitlin. I, this is my new favorite way of describing this. Tazzy Dave says most myths have them as petty terrible characters. I can see the link to today's obsession with celebrity and how they when too bright a light is shown on them don't live up to the idealistic picture their fans have of them. Then he goes on to say, by the way, most mythical scholars have Aia, Aia, Aia on the western side of Greece, not the eastern Adriatic or Ionian Sea. Real housewives of the Mediterranean, perhaps. Oh, oh yeah. like, did there you have go. to? You had to well, not the little well, well actually, actually there. Aia well, well, would not be in the Aegean. I'm just teasing you, Tassie. We Thank love you, you, Tassie Dave. <laughs> Please never stop editing the wiki. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. So yeah, so I I thought it might be fun too to take a peek at some of the um there was a reader's guide of questions on the website for uh Madeline Miller. Um so I thought it'd be fun so to So we are getting into spoiler territory if you want to bail on that. Oh yeah, this is a wrap-up episode of the it Sure they sh- is. They should know that by now. These are really like college questions. Cersei struggles to find a place for herself as a woman in a man's world. What parts of her experience resonate with modern day challenges that women face? Uh, Real Housewives. We just answered that one. Perfect. Actually, this is one I kind of thought about a bit. Uh, Did you? Okay. The question is, Cersei's interest in Penelope from the moment she hears about her from Odysseus, what draws her to Penelope and does this change over time? This I found really interesting because when Odysseus first mentions Penelope, I feel like Cersei wasn't jealous, and you kind of imagine that a, a god or or someone god-adjacent, as Cersei was, would get that pang of, like, really intense godlike rage or jealousy over a man that she's interested Divine in. Divine jealousy, you might say. Yeah, I mean, they get really raged out over stuff like this. Like, I mean, it doesn't really take much for a god or a goddess to kind of pick a pick a fight or decide they hate someone or decide that they're going to kill someone for no good reason. So you would think she'd maybe, I mean, that's not really Cersei's character, but you could see how she would at least have like the, some jealousy and bitterness there. I think maybe there's a little bit of jealousy, but it always almost seemed to me that she was more in awe of like this mortal woman who could have this sway over Odysseus. And like, what does she have that I don't have? Or what am I doing differently? 
I feel like too, there's a bit of a recognition that women don't have a lot of power in this world. And even though I'm divine and I'm stealing her man, I'm really just borrowing and I don't really want to make her life worse because mm-hmm. we all mm-hmm. have it hard enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, I like that. I think that's true. Um, yeah. She's like, he's here now. He's not always going to be here. Yeah. He's yours when he's there. It's like what happens in Aia stays in Aia. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there is a more ancient arrangement for, for pairing mm-hmm. that does acknowledge the ability to kind of rotate. It feels and, and very I, one-sided, though. I'm not always. I'm, I'm grasping for for the actual historical um, examples of this, but they're they're. We're, I'm talking ancient tribal stuff. Uh, I'm not talking about harem or, or anything You're talking like, like that. Like like polyamory or like yeah. Well, not so much polyamory, although that that's a whole separate uh, historical precedent. But but the idea that oh, I have my I have my. Um, you know, I have my my, my, my home wife husband there and my wife over there. Well, sort of, yeah. There's there's like a home husband and a hunting husband, uh, or a fish wife. You know, like mm-hmm. like oh, well, when when you have to, and I think it has to do with like you couldn't travel very fast. So if you're going to spend half the year over there, well, then you know you need a different husband over there than you do over here because it's just not practical. <laughs> I still feel like it's pretty once like I don't I can't think of any stories that weren't gods or goddesses. I think we've been told it's one sided. Uh, I don't think historically it actually necessarily always was. I, I particularly I feel like it's particularly in the Irish uh, where they would have marriage contracts mm-hmm. of in in the like pre Christian times that were like sure I'll marry you for a year and then we'll see how it goes. Do you think Cersei's relationship with her father changed over the course of the book? What do you make of their final conversation, Tom? Um, yeah. <laughs> do you? I don't really feel like their relationship changed at all, really. Oh, gosh. Her relationship to him changed. I don't think his relationship to her no, changed No, that's much. what I mean. Yeah. 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 Her, her perceptions of him changed drastically, right? She was in mm-hmm. awe of him. And then as time went on, she started to realize, like, you know, he's actually kind of a jerk. <laughs> so, so maybe I don't get, care about him I don't him need as his much. support. And in and fact, in I'm going to kind of blackmail him. I, and I, I think the fact that her relationship changed and his didn't is why he's so shocked by her rebellion at the very end. Mm-hmm. I also like this question uh, that a central theme of Homer's Odyssey is a longing for nostos or homecoming, which is actually one of the reasons I love the Odyssey by Homer. In what way does that theme resonate with Circe's story? I thought about this a lot. Circe longs for a home, but she mm-hmm. can never have a homecoming. And because and because of what we were just talking about, she realizes that the home she thought she loved was awful. And she did not want to go back and and live uh with Helios uh and 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 her horrible nymph sisters. And yet the home in Aia wasn't really ever satisfying to her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was not her choice. It was, a, it was a place she had to make, not a place she wanted to make. And even though it, it felt like she really made it work for a long time, like it, it felt like she was convincing herself that she could be happy there. And then she did Making feel that way. Making the best of a bad situation. Yeah. And that yeah. she did, f- I think, I honestly feel like she felt that way for a good long time. Like she was, had sorted it out and she had her figuring out her magic and her animals and her lions and wolves and Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, but I, I she she definitely gets that wanderlust or that like need for more later in the book. Yeah, that is met. It was so romantic at the end. It was so romantic. It was so romantic. What kind of did he turn into a god? I don't know what happens after that. Who Odysseus' son? No, yeah. Who she Tell, uh, hooked up with? Yeah. Who she also hooked up with his dad? Okay, well, I mean, if you so want to, if you want to bring it into that, I mean, the end when they're together and she like goes to turn him into a forget god, how like, we got here. <laughs> Doesn't she, matter. Or I can't now. I can't remember the ending. Tom, how'd the book end? Uh, they were, all lived happily ever after. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Just keep telling yourself. I'm having trouble remembering if they, if they, if she made him into a god or if they died of old age happily. Uh, how would you like it to have ended? No, she she gave up her divinity, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. It's been like two months now since I read the book. <laughs> oh, that's right. You you finished it way early, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, but that's okay. Um, one of the down. I remember like most of the book. I'm just having a hard time remembering the the very end right now. Isn't that weird how that happens sometimes? Yeah. Where you you read a book and you love it and you can cite these like particular examples of your favorite scenes, and then someone asks you how it ended, and you're like, no. Like we all we always think the way the end the ending is so darn important. Uh, and well, Tom, it's life's the journey. a journey, not a destination. Right. It's the life's Odyssey. A journey, not a destination. It's what is that? Aerosmith. That's Aerosmith? Wow. How did I not know that? Okay. I take back my rock zone cred. You better learn to crawl before you learn to walk, Tom. <laughs> but just don't listen to all that endless talk. Love oh, in yeah. an elevator. <laughs> I have one of those. Okay, anyway. I could sing a lot of Aerosmith. Let's, uh, I guess that's it then. Yeah, I, I, I really, I enjoyed this book a lot. I thought it was great. And now I kind of want to read the, uh, the Achilles story that she also wrote uh, yeah. years ago. Because I think it'd be fun to see how the two tie together. Although I'm not as big of a fan of the Iliad as I am the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am now a huge fan of Madeline Miller. So I think I'm going to enjoy it anyway. Very cool. All right. Well, that wraps up our episode. Uh, thank you so much to to all of you who help fund the show over on Patreon. Um, if you want to go check it out, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. We've got lots of books ready to go in Lem's library. If you are a librarian, yo, got to put in your requests. We need to know what you want to read. We've got this whole spreadsheet and everything. and We're updating it with new books. So if you're at that level, we want to send you free stuff. Please, please do. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Uh, find look, links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites in the virtual Sword and Laser book stacks at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. Hey, don't forget, we are reading The Mortal Engines uh, starting in July. So if you want to get a start on that, pick it up wherever books are sold or downloading it from the pick site or whatever. And if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, the phone number is 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!